You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 1115. If you don't need the money right now, like within the next 30 days, I think it's okay to look at land that's not, doesn't have the zoning you need, doesn't have everything that you need, because you're solving a problem there that's going to give uh, more return in the back end. And so if you need money now, sure, just find something, flip it, make a couple thousand dollars. But the bigger the problem you solve, the more return you're going to get, right? This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I am your host today, Brent Bowers, your land man. And today I have a very, very unique, extremely unique guest that I am interviewing today. He's actually part of the Land Sharks community. His name is Josh Wagstaff. He actually started as a as a horseshoe farrier. He actually he puts shoes on horses and a farrier and he started in land in 2018. And he hasn't done a ton of deals, but some of the deals that he has done, just one of them turned into about a little over $200,000 net profit for this man. Uh, he's actually got a batch, actually a master's degree in real estate development. He actually started out with a piece of land that he was uh, subdividing to put tiny homes on. And today we're going to walk through in this interview how he went after a few landlocked parcels of land. To be exact, it was actually 11 parcels of land that he used batch skip tracing to skip trace the actual owners of this land and call them. And one of these people that he had to actually have three different lunches with, but he made about $10,000 net profit on this deal. And it was actually a landlocked parcel of land. So let's just go ahead and get right into the episode. Josh Wagstaff, how the heck are you today? Good, Brent. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to get you on here. You are like the silent killer. You know, you just show up to our support calls for the land sharks every once in a while and you share a massive win. You answer a couple questions and you jump back off. I love your go-giver attitude in our, our rhino community. Tell me in 30 to 60 seconds, you know, what did you do before wholesaling land and all the things you're up to right now? So before I got, I got into real estate in like 2018. Before that, I was a horseshoer for 12 years. I worked as a farrier, so glad to get out of that business. Um, so now, yeah, I'm doing mostly land development and trying to wholesale some subdivisions and get some land entitled and flip it. I love it. You know, for some reason or another, the land shark seems to attract very successful farriers and horseshoers. Ross Krings is also... We used to be a horseshoer, farrier. So uh, this is amazing. And you guys do really well in land, which Ross is doing incredible as well, just like you. So wholesaling land developments, wholesaling land subdivisions. I see you've got a beautiful family. Uh, for anybody that stopped watching this and listening to this on the podcast, looks like you've got a beautiful family behind you as well. Is that three kids I see? No, just two kids. Two kids. All right. I have a son and a daughter. Son and a daughter. So your hands are full as well. And you're not just in business. You are also a family man and father. So tell me a little bit about this land development and flipping land developments. Just for someone that's just getting started, that seems a little intimidating, you know, to just go right into that. Is that how you started? 
So probably not the best way to start. I probably started a little bit too big. And now I'm actually trying to get some smaller projects that are easier to do by myself because just bringing in so many capital partners and paying for all the you know, engineering. And, you know, I have a couple of projects that I've been working on for two years that still haven't paid any money out. And so eventually they will, but it is a lot to take on some of the bigger projects. Yeah, it sounds like it, you know, and I, I preach revenue in the first position. We want to get revenue coming in as quick as possible, but you went right for the, the massive deals to bring in revenue later. I know you'd also mentioned you had done a couple of wholesales and then one of those, like the third one turned into a massive, massive deal. Uh, is, is that one you want to break down today? Yeah, I can. So it'll eventually be a land development deal too. The landowner, there were some landlocked pieces. He didn't necessarily need them, but he didn't want them to be a problem in the future either. And so he just had me help him wholesale them to him. Some of them, we traded the landowners for other parcels on the outskirts so they weren't landlocked. We did multiple things there. And then with that same client, about a month after I got those done, a property got listed on the MLS. And so we put that, it was 500 acres. We put that under contract. And so that ended up being like $180,000 commission. So with that client between some of the wholesales and that commission, I made like, I don't know, $230,000 from him this year. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So wait a minute. I got so many questions. So you made $180,000 commission on yeah. on one deal and you just said it just completely nonchalantly like that? Like it's just, just <laughs> another day for you there, Josh? No, no, it was good. That's definitely a good commission. And I'm really excited on the back end to be able to, you know, and get that 500 acres entitled and we got to annex it and buy water for it and stuff. But it was definitely good to get those commissions and wholesale fees. When you say entitled, what do you mean by that? What is your layman's terms for anybody that's just, you know, never done a land deal? What does entitled mean? So there's like multiple stages and a lot of people think like of real estate they just think the finished house at the end right but they don't realize that you get paid like your compensation for contribution comes all the way from the beginning whether it's just finding a motivated seller and a motivated buyer and matching them you can get paid there or if you get it entitled which is you take just a raw piece of land and then you get approved through the city you know you do all the engineering uh, soils reports get it entitled, then you can sell that to a developer so you can make right there. Or if you want to go to finish lots, then you can go from entitled land to put in the roads and the infrastructure and you can finish lots and sell those to a home builder or you can go all the way and build the home. So, you know, really there's at least five different steps along from raw land to finished houses that you can make money and you can exit at any of those stages because you know, some of the home builders like, say, Lennar or uh, Richmond, they're looking for finished lots or at least entitled lots because uh, they don't want to go, they don't want to take, like I was saying before, I'm two years into some of my projects trying to get entitlements. Some of those bigger builders don't want to take that risk of it's going to take two years or four years to get us entitled. They just want land that's entitled and ready to build houses on. Builders want to build, you know, they, yeah. they just want to swing hammers and, and erect houses. So if, if you provide all those front end, you know, services that you offer, that's a huge payday. And I like that you mentioned there's multiple with different ways to get paid and then multiple exit strategy points throughout the uh, evolution of, of one of these, these actual parcels. 
So you can get paid just on the front end by flipping it to someone that wants to do the entitlement and then do the entitlement and then, you know, do the subdividing and the paper, paper plats, and then eventually the, the roads and the gutters and the curbs. And uh, there's so many different exit points. I think that's one of the, the crazy things about land is, you know, what do I want to be? You know, I've got some partners I found some land for. They want to be builders. I just want to be the land guy. I don't want to be the builder, but uh, it sounds like you're going the extra mile. And so also, quick question, are you a real estate agent? Yeah. So that's, you know, the reason why I got that commission, that was 180000 was I have a search set up to where I immediately get any land listings in a couple of my areas. And so I don't, you know, some people look once a day or whatever, I immediately get an email. And so I had an offering on that 500 acres within an hour of it being listed. So I, I'm very active in, I'm not on the MLS too, but anything on the MLS, I have a good watch on it. Okay. That was going to be my next question was how did you, I want to know like from the beginning to end, like how you found this person or this piece of land, how this 182,000 turned into 200 and something thousand, you know, was it a direct mailer or was it that uh, little service you set up to where you see the land listings come out? How did that start? So I had done a smaller subdivision with him, a 20 lot subdivision, and he asked me to help him buy some of the landlocked pieces as well. Okay. We already already had a relationship with him through the smaller subdivision and some other stuff. I've helped him with water too. I've been working with him since 2018 on buying water for another subdivision that he has. Quite a while then. Okay. So when did you get started in land? Um, 2018. Well, just, yeah, 2018. Okay. So roughly about, was that about four years now? Yeah. I love it. So how did you strike up the relation with this, with this gentleman, the relationship with this gentleman for the uh, smaller subdivided 20 lots? I was shoeing his horses. Shoeing his horses. Oh my gosh. So it started with that. And then it built into something else. And it sounds like a, a relationship that just continuously, you guys keep serving each other and, and continuously gives. Yep. That's phenomenal. What's a recent deal you want to break down? One that's kind of not 182000 which that's a phenomenal. But here's my thing. It's like when I was just getting started, when I was struggling, when I was you know going to and from my army officer job, I could never relate to someone that made... 200 and something thousand dollars on one or two land deals. What's one that, that you want to talk about that is like kind of like one of your first ones when you first started? I mean, actually, let me take that back. You said you started big. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I guess what's the first deal? What got you started in 2018? Was it this 20 lot subdivision with this gentleman that you're shooing his horses? Because you're, no. you're kind of a unique character here. So my, my first deal in land was actually just tiny homes in RV parks. Okay. And then I went from, we sold all those parks and um, started a new resort down at Zion National Park where we have, you know, teepees and wagons and some glamping stuff there. And we're also trying to get that entitled for townhomes and a couple hotel pads. So that was my first, when I first got into it, I was in more of the RV resorts and glamping resort and stuff. Holy cow. Okay. So you started with RV. So how big was that parcel of land and how did you find it? How did you get in touch with the owner? So that, that one, so I got my master's degree in real, real estate development and I had a mentor through the MRED program who connected me to the guy who owned all the RV parks. 
And then the guy who owned the RV parks asked me to help him figure out zoning and how to put the tiny homes on them. And then he's also, St. George is about four hours from me. I'm in Salt Lake. And so he has a resort down there too that he asked me to help him with. And now we're doing, so he has some other pieces of land and we're putting another land under contract down there too. So we have uh, three residential subdivisions and an industrial development in St. George right now. And you got things going all over the place. Okay, so you got your master's degree in real estate development. You know, what what drove you to want to do that? Like all the things you can get a degree in, you chose real estate development. Like, yeah, again, you don't seem to go with the crowd. <laughs> so I've always been really interested in investments, you know, stock trading. I got my undergrad in personal financial planning. So investing in finance has always intrigued me. The problem I had with the financial planning route is the stock market is very efficient. And so it's hard to day trade and beat the stock market. So it, it almost makes more sense for people to just set up a, you know, an IRA and, and there's not a lot of value that I saw there. With real estate, there's a lot of ways you can beat the stock market. It is more risky, sure, but it was just more interesting investment than, you know, stocks and bonds and mutual funds. I wanted something more active where I could potentially make more money. Yeah. And what I love about real estate compared to or versus the stock market is we have the control. We have so much control. We can force that appreciation. We can go and get that land entitled. We can, you know, we can leave it the the raw land that it is or or get it zoned for tiny homes and force appreciation. There's just so many different things we can do with real estate compared to a stock that we purchase and we just hope and pray that you know, it does well, you know, granted, I would have loved to have been on, on the early days of like, you know, Apple or Coca-Cola, things like that. But I would have no control over those companies. You know, I could drink as much Coca-Cola as I like or, or buy as many Apple products, but I'm not going to change the stock price compared to, you know, going out there and getting things done with the land. So I so agree with it. And the cool thing about real estate is people will loan you the money to buy it. You get tax write-offs and cost segregations and depreciation, all these things that benefit you, as well as you can insure that thing if it burns down or, you know, insure the property or, or, you know, all kinds of things to protect and hedge your investment. So I totally agree with it. So what is, you know, you had also mentioned that you had done some assignment fees. Uh, I think you said one was 10,000, one was 24,000. Let's break one of those down because, you know, you got several deals going here and I just want to, I kind of want to speak to the the person like that's like, okay, Josh is phenomenal. He's got a master's degree. I'm just working a nine to five job. I don't have a degree. I just need to make some money really quickly. I want to quit my job in the next six months because it's just draining my soul. Is there a deal that you could think of that you could break down to show, show people there is hope? Yeah. So the first one that I did was 10,000 and it was a landlocked piece, and I actually have another client right now that I'm working on. Yes, uh, six landlocked pieces that I'm trying to buy. So, really, two of my my two main clients right now that I'm trying to buy land for are landlocked buyers that don't want problems in the future. So, anyways, that one I bought it for fifteen thousand, and I sold it that week for twenty five thousand to the guy who owned the property on all four sides of them. And just for anybody listening to this and they're like, what in the world does landlocked mean? Basically, you own a piece of land surrounded by other people's land that you can't get to legally. So with this landlocked land, how is this buyer or how is this seller that owns it now? How are they accessing the land? So they're not. So all of the properties, 
I'm working on about 11 properties. Five of them I've closed, something we traded land for, but they've never been to the property. Two of the landowners, they met me out there and I had to take Onyx out there and walk them onto their property to show them what they owned because they had never been there. So they didn't even know what they owned. That is so typical. A lot of times they wouldn't even go out there and walk with you. So that's awesome that you were able to even get them out there. So these guys aren't interested in what they own really is what it sounds like. And you found someone that would be, which is the neighbor. Yeah. No, just the one that was 15,000. It was 20 feet wide and 660 feet long. And so that landowner was never going to be able to use it anyways. And so it was a no-brainer for him to sell it. It was a no-brainer for the buyer to buy it. I mean, nobody needs 20 feet by 600 feet. You can't ever do anything with it. What is that, like one acre? Uh, 600 by um, 20 feet? It was a third of an acre. Okay. Six, 640, 660 feet long, something like that. It was a win-win for both parties to be able to do that. So how did you find this seller with this 20 foot wide by 600 and something feet deep piece of land? I did the batch skip tracing to find him. All right. So you used batch. Did yeah. you pull the list from batch or, or you just, uh, just skip trace the list and call them? No, on that one, I found that I I knew which parcels I needed. And so I found that exact parcel and just skipped those, you know, 11 properties that I've been working on. I love it. I love it. I love batch skip tracing so much. And and they've uh, recently updated to where you can look up, you know, trusts and LLCs. I've got a great partnership with those guys. I love using them. If you go to batchleadsbrent.com, you can get a thousand free records. It's about 12 cents a skip. That's what I pay anyways to skip trace people. So that's phenomenal. Be able to call that landowner. And what did that conversation look like? Really, really weird. So, <laughs> oh man, he got it um, a tax sale. So the way they used to do the tax auctions was it was a fixed amount. So instead of bidding the price up, they bid the amount of land, land that you got down. So they started, when he bought it, he bought it for $300. And it was like a 10 acre parcel. And then it was whoever was willing to take, you know, five acres and then three acres and then two acres for that $300. And so it got all the way down to 20 feet. And so he bought this 20 foot strip for $300. And so it's really weird how they used to do the tax auctions, but I ended up having to go. Um, I went out to lunch with him three times and he had to have his, even though I'm a real estate agent, he had his attorney draft the contract. When we did the closing, he wanted his attorney to prepare the deed. He wanted to do a quick claim deed instead of a warranty deed. It was a lot more than it needed to be because I'm like, dude, it's 20 feet by 600 feet. Like you don't need it. Just sell it. But it was a lot of lunches and attorneys. So, and honestly, he made 15,000 on it, but most of that's probably going to go to his attorney. So even though he only bought it for 300 and sold it for 15, if as much attorney interaction as we had. It was interesting. That's a unicorn. I mean, I can't tell you how many attorneys I've needed for when purchasing a piece of land, especially something like that from a seller. Uh, I would say a fat goose egg zero times. Uh, but golly, man, he made, he bought it for 300 bucks. Like it was kind of a gamble for him. He made yeah. 15,000. And I mean, he still made out like a bandit if he wouldn't yeah, have hired that attorney. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. So you only skip trace about 11 properties. You call this guy, you had to have a couple lunches with him. What did it look like on the selling side of this thing when you sold it? I think I sold it the next day. So I, <laughs> the next Utah, 
Well, I had the buyer already. Utah is really weird on their wholesaling. The state of Utah is very aggressive against wholesaling, especially real estate agent wholesaling. And so I didn't really want to get so I just closed on it and I could have tried to wholesale it, but also the seller was weird enough with his attorney that I didn't want to open up any loose ends once, you know, I had an agreement with him. I just figured I'll close You're it smart. and resell it. I would absolutely purchase that piece of land and not wholesale. And Utah is one of the toughest countries right now in the United States to wholesale. Like you can't even put photos out. Like you have to actually market your purchase agreement only. And so I don't even know if you can use an address. So I could, and that seller didn't sign my purchase contract until we were at the title company closing. So I never even had the property under contract. He didn't even want you wholesaling it. That got, that, that was strange. Wow. Well, you got it done. So you purchased it. How did you find that buyer the next day to close on this thing, to sell this thing? So I had the buyer lined up before really the seller. I just, I couldn't wholesale it to him. And so I, just because of Utah's laws, right? And so I had him lined up already and then we closed right away. How did you have him lined up? Did you, because I know you said you went after the 11, you skip traced them with batch, skip tracing. Were you talking to the property, the landowners first or that landowners around that piece of land yeah. to line them up? Yeah. So I've, I have two different, areas one the guy owns like 500 acres and the other one they have you know a few thousand and so i knew both of the landowners that have the bigger parcels and then they both asked me to go after their landlocked pieces in the middle i love it so they used they, they really just kind of hired you almost in essence to to go after that land they wanted to own here you have it ladies and gentlemen josh wagstaff just doing phenomenal deals uh, I know you. that one was just $10,000, but $10,000, what would you say the amount of time that you had locked up in, in that one, that one deal to earn the $10,000? So that one's more than it should just because of the lunches. <laughs> but I mean, still, I'm probably 10, 15 hours, probably 15 hours. Okay. So, so I mean, that's not bad. 15 hours to make 10 grand. Let's just say 10 hours because I really like easy yeah. math. That's $1,000 an hour. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that warrants a, a victory bell. So if you've got headphones in your ears, I'm about to blast them with this victory bell for Josh. That's awesome, man. And I know there's so many more. With the time we have, we can't jump into them. But uh, I, just, I just love how you went with this. Uh, in four years' time, you've made more money in, on just a few deals that you've talked about than some people make in like, 10 years time. So what would you say to the person that I, I've kept, I've mentioned this person a few times to the listener that maybe is driving to the job that they hate, you know, what would you say to the person that's uh, looking to get started and, or, you know, just, or maybe they are started and they just, they don't like what their current real estate path, maybe they're flipping houses or wholesaling houses. What would you say to all three of those people? I know that's a, a large order. So it's, if you don't need the money right now, like within the next 30 days, I think it's okay to look at land that's not, doesn't have the zoning you need, doesn't have everything that you need because you're solving a problem there that's going to give uh, more return in the back end. And so if you need money now, sure, just find something, flip it, make a couple thousand dollars. But the bigger the problem you solve, the more return you're going to get, right? And so that's why I have done, you know, I've done real estate sales just selling houses um, to keep some money coming in. So I still kind of have that, I still have that income, 
but I'm going after bigger pieces of land, providing more value. So I'm I'm doing both still. I don't. I am still working almost full time as a real estate agent as well as doing developments myself too. I love that. You know, the bigger the problem you solve, the higher the turn, and go bigger, solve bigger problems, get paid more. You know, it's phenomenal. Uh, Josh, I, I appreciate you being such a go-giver, talking about how, how you're working with 500-acre parcels and just going after landlocked parcels as well. You know, some of my best returns on investment have been landlocked parcels. Uh, and, and a lot of people kind of shy away from that. I think that's why there's so much opportunity in land because it's a lot of land across the country are landlocked parcels of land. And there's always a buyer for every piece of land. So, Thank you so much for jumping on today, Josh. God bless you and uh, keep crushing it in land. And just so blessed to have you in the Land Sharks community. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Hey, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode today. I want you to head on over to wholesalinginc.com forward slash land and join the land community. Again, that's wholesalinginc.com forward slash land. Join the community. Let us change your life today and do that first land deal and start rolling. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.